0: it's that time again another episode of the development by david podcast and today's all things nutrition with johnny becker aka the coach's chef johnny provides a plethora of services to online pts and coaches basically teaching their clients how to make more flavorsome meals so they stay on plan and hit their fitness goals think about this episode as nutrition for dummies We speak about what are carbs, what are fats, what are proteins, the effects of minerals and vitamins on our body. I asked Johnny, how bad is alcohol for our fitness goals and what effect does it have on our body composition? Johnny demystifies how we can use nutrition for mental performance. Johnny gives his caffeine protocols and tells us when we should stop having caffeine in the day. He also compares caffeine, wine and heroin. Yeah, you heard that right. Jokes aside, Johnny also tells us what his death row meal would be. A very funny and insight-led episode. Thanks, Johnny, for stopping by. And if you want to support the podcast, listeners, please, please, please share this episode in your story or fire into a group chat. It helps this podcast go from strength to strength. But for now, Johnny Becker, a.k.a. The Coach's Chef. Johnny Becker, welcome to the Development by David podcast, my friend. How are we? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm all good.
0: I'm good How are to you? Me. I'm good too, mate. I'm that's good. That's the most important
1: question. Wait,
0: <laughs> mean, that's so nice to hear the guest reflect that question back to me. I've never had that before. <laughs> really? <laughs> I might get asked back a second time. <laughs> I think you're hedging your bets mate. <laughs> um, so two of my closest friends, uh Lewis and Ian McFarlane, have mm-hmm. been connected with you for a while and have therefore connected me with you. Um both both are fanatic about their coaching business, which is fueled by their nutrition and their fuel that allows them to operate. Of course, the first thing that stood out to me, mate, was your username, the Coach's Chef. I'm entirely intrigued about what that is. Can you bring to life what it means to be the Coach's Chef?
1: Yeah, I can try. Um, effectively, um, to not just copy and paste or, or blurb my bio, but um, ultimately, helping uh, fellow coaches, because I was a coach at one point, um, but helping coaches, online coaches, in-person coaches, whatever they want to be, gym owners potentially, but helping uh, coaches deliver uh, food and cooking-based skills to their clients. So getting communities thriving, um, engagement up, getting their clients ultimately a better result through food, um, and then in turn, I guess, making. because I feel like I'm the only one possibly that's doing this at the moment in time. Um, giving them a service that nobody else have is unparalleled and hopefully their clients then stick with them for longer. So yes, getting them clients better results, but hopefully then getting them to earn more money as well, which is kind of like where my, uh, my level of fulfillment comes, comes from. I like it. I like helping people effectively.
0: Johnny, you said that you're, Potentially the only one in the industry that's doing this. I've never came across someone that's doing what you're doing in an f- industry that is more generally overpopulated. Everyone's a PT and a coach nowadays. Yeah. Surely you saw a problem that you wanted to fix, and that's why you became that niche. Was there something that you tried to solve?
1: um I'd love, I'd love to say yes. Um, so I'm going to say maybe. Uh, it was more to, so that I had. So long story short, I've done loads of different things, which might be one of your upcoming questions, so not to jump ahead in the podcast, but um, I've done loads of different things throughout my career, inverted commas, um, to those listening that can't see my fingers dancing in the air, Um, went to uni to do architecture, didn't continue that through, did PTing, done bits in insurance, insurance broking, um, worked as a store manager at Hollister, whereby i then started a meal prep company on my days off uh and then decided like i'm either going to just never have a day off in my entire life or I, i need to kind of like just just go all in go balls deep on something so i chose the meal prep company i was doing that for about three or four years it kind of wasn't fulfilling me so i then swapped to online coaching where i didn't really get momentum and i wasn't really sure of my niche i wasn't sure where it was going and it wasn't until I was in a in the mentorship group that I'm a part of that Ian and uh, Lewis are part of as well. That's how we kind of came came to connect. And I was scrolling past a post, and it was much like you know when uh, you've turned Netflix off at night, and you're walking out of the living room, or wherever you are, and you've seen a plate or a, a dirty cup, right? And you and you've seen it. You carry on walking past. You're halfway up the stairs, and you go. I really should go and put that in the sink or put that where that should be and that was me with this post in this group if somebody was asking for help about meal prep and food and I just went back up to it I was like yeah I could do that and then it just boom all of a sudden there was this niche I could fill and had the passion and drive to do and expertise without feeling like, um, like when I was an online coach I kind of felt like a bit of an imposter like who am I to To talk about this because there are so many people as you quite rightly alluded to there are so many people in and around the industry that are doing it on a far better scale than i could have ever done i guess so
0: so how do you negate feeling like an imposter now in a world where you're the only person that's doing what you're doing
1: um i i guess it's my own limiting belief and my own mindset that i am constantly working on um which kind of segues into your Podcast title, uh, <laughs> my own personal development. Um, effectively, if I, if I don't have anybody to be compared against, then I can't be doing anything wrong. So, therefore, I feel like I can just do what I want and be myself rather than being, um, oh, James Smith PT said this, or Joe Wicks has said this, or do you know what I mean? So, I can just kind of do my thing. When you saw that,
0: Um, dirty cup I'm doing inverted commas again that dirty cup message that you felt compelled to respond to in that community of fitness professionals how long after that did you start churning content for free and at which point did you turn that monetizable
1: um almost immediately it was monetizable because coaches were there paying me for my time and my service to, to put on webinars. Um, I've I've always put content out for free anyway, but because of most of my content through the meal prep company wasn't directly re- um, revolving around online coaching and to like gem pop or even direct niches. You know, some, some online coaches work between the ages of 20 and 30 and they only work with males. Whereas I kind of had this, Um, I'm going to hold my arms out and try and catch everything that I possibly can. I think that became my demise in the end. Um, But I then went very quickly all in on it and just went, you know what, this is where I can really get behind. I've got the skills for it. I've got recipes. I've got my meal prep um, experience, my chefing experience in restaurants, that kind of stuff. And basically developed, went to a videographer, got a load of stuff shot that I can then give and leverage to coaches in their groups and we're away, yeah.
0: Amazing, mate. So when did you initially fall in love with the creation of food? Was it during your chefing experience or as a child or until you moulded yourself into this online uh,
1: coaching chef? Uh, It was probably... It was all my dad's fault, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He got me the job in my first uh, kitchen job When I was 14 years old, um, I remember sat in the restaurant and it was that time, you know, when young and I guess parents just want you out of the house or they want to set you off on earning your own money, um, sick and tired of giving me pocket money. He, I remember, I remember the words. He was like, right, I'm going to go and speak to the head chef Andy now. And I was like, no, dad, don't, no, don't off. He went literally the next day. I had a sit down interview. I'd got the job straight away. And I've kind of not looked back. I, I had that job in between university um, years. So it was my summer job. Went back there when things were going a bit rough with other jobs. Um, made a best mate out of working there. Um, and then through my dad's, my dad is the chef of the house. So my mum doesn't do any of the cooking apart from banoffee pie and lasagna, arguably quite <laughs> two quite important, the two important meals mate let's be serious yeah, i don't need anything else that's all i need um banoffee pie for breakfast lasagna for dinner no um, so i kind of saw him growing up he was this creator of food he would always have food on the table so it was like the emulation i wanted to be like him and provide one day when i have a family and a wife and that kind of stuff that's what i wanted to be able to do so so
0: you worked as a chef in a restaurant that doesn't have the constraint of fitness. Now that mm. you work in a realm where all your dishes are focused around health, well being, and fitness, do you find yourself creatively constrained or bottlenecked by that? Or does it empower you to feel more creative because you have that limiting factor? And in a similar vein to comedians, now that we moved closer to per- political correctness, they need to dance around offensiveness. But most comics will say, it's empowering to them because they need to be creative within their new set confines does that ring a bell to you
1: yeah yeah, it's a it's a good point i think we could take a real huge segue off left step left field on that um talking about political correctness um in my opinion as we spoke about just before we came on and went live i'm quite direct um and as we mentioned Lewis and Ian how they run their community is very direct as well right Um, and you kind of like resonate with people that are like that and I would always prefer uh, a comedian for example if we're going on that that note to just be funny if it's funny it's funny if it's not it's not and ultimately you will then lean towards and listen to the people that you find funny there's no point turning up to a a Joe Rogan stand-up if you find everything he says offensive because you're just not gonna there's no point going just leave right um so actually i find myself more creative so i'm quite a good copier so i've got a stack of recipe books behind me um i will go through them and try and create this meal and i'll go through like the normal proteins try and figure out the calories as i'm going and then i'll get to a point or an ingredient where some uh, famous chefs um have um have put an ingredient in and I'm like "Mm, from a fitness and a health perspective that's not really needed let me see if I can try and figure it out in another way. Let me try and see if I can put this in or just completely leave it out and I wonder what that does with the dish. Um, So I find myself a bit more creative in that respect. And I can go to restaurants, read a menu and go, yeah, I'm having that and that (laughs) will go on the menu or that will then be created as something of my well, my own creation almost. So so yeah.
0: Mate, I love that. I love that. I subscribe to the era of bodybuilding, glamorized by fish and a rice cake. I think everyone's seen that meme where the guy or the video that where the guy uh, explains his five meals to the camera and they're all fish, a rice cake or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So to me, subscribing to that content during that time, it pushed a narrative to me that if you ate anything other than that, it was mm-hmm. sloppy, lazy the technique of if it fits your macros wasn't as glamorized then could you bring to life for me what if it fits your macros means as a meal um protocol and
1: can you eat more than just fish and a rice cake to get in good shape um it's a really good point that you mentioned i, I can't remember the uh, the host or the show that that was from um it it sounds like a Louis Theroux type thing um I don't think it was him but I know exactly one you're talking about um equally with that and I'm sure you've heard of it um a lot of PTs potentially out there that it's like chicken rice and veg and that is one method of getting into shape IIFYM, as you see it as the um whatever that thing is if you just put letters instead of words I don't know not that that intelligent is that an acronym? Um, I should know that my my Brazilian wife knows way more English than I do. So, uh, <laughs> <shy on that. laughs> um, which is quite annoying. But anyway. Uh, so it's one method. So if it fits your macros, in my opinion, isn't the epitome of health and fitness. It's one way to get to the, your result. Right. It's it basically means that you can have uh, a chicken breast and Harry Bow. And and that works in inverted commas. Um, When in reality, everybody could look at that and go, that's not that healthy. That's not going to get you up in the morning, jumping out of bed full of energy from toe to hair. Um, It's just not going to work that way. It can be very helpful as a tool at the beginning of somebody's journey, for example, to, to get them... sort of like a calorie target and then you like if it fits your macros just eat it but just don't go over 2000 calories for argument's sake and then uh, and then make sure you're eating 150 grams of protein the rest can be what you want and it is quite a nice intuitive way to eat um but i think i was the same as you when i was 16 17 my first few gym sessions where you would just pump arms the entire time i remember I don't know if you ever experienced this. Um, you'd do arms, both biceps and triceps, and you'd like grab the steering wheel and it would be a struggle. You'd be like, <laughs> ah, to change from first to second. Um, whilst trying to drink a protein shake. That was kind of like how it was. And, and if you didn't get protein in after, 50, within 15 minutes, your muscles would deflate like a balloon. And it was this really odd stigma. And ultimately I'm trying to break that. I'm trying to enable somebody to to not have this big blowout at some point with pizzas and Indians and at the weekend.
0: My personal personal anecdote to that is that sometimes during the week I would do intermittent fasting so I could re- reserve those calories, reserve those carbs using that, if it fits your macros approach, so I could binge a Chicago Town pizza at night or a Ben & Jerry's or I would do excess amount of cardio during the week so I could have a Chinese takeaway at the weekend, but then I would feel awful afterwards. The next day I would feel disgusting. I would, wouldn't would have the mental performance that I would expect. Um, so do you essentially create plans for coaches whereby they don't feel, their clients don't feel the need to have this blowout at night or blowout of the weekend because they're having tasty, impactful meals, satiating meals continuously throughout the week? Is that your approach? 100%.
1: Yeah. One of my sort of pillars of content, as you were, for coaches, um, not only like um, high protein, high veg meals, all that kind of stuff, but I have a section that is fakeaways. So one of the first first posts that goes into coaches groups is a Domino's version. So yes, it's not going to be the cleanest. It's not going to be the lowest calorie meal you have. But instead of spending and I'll use the word spending, two thousand calories on a Domino's pizza, that a lot of people have this we have this fight in our heads all the time with with value for money versus calories, all that kind of stuff all the way through. So you go, right, well, I'm buying that for X amount of money, I can't afford to waste that because. I don't know what our parents used to say to us about starving kids in Africa and all that kind of stuff. Not that the wasted food ever goes there. It doesn't go <laughs> into the container. Um, but that was what we were taught. So you like one of one of my close friends, one of his problems to to uh that he had was he was gaining weight because he was eating his parents' leftovers, he was eating his girlfriend's leftovers. It's like, bro, just stop eating other people's food. Yes, it's going to waste, but what are you going to do? So my my goal is to take ideas, transform them into something that's not necessarily going to be as a big of a blowout. That's that that stops that binge at the weekend, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, do you ever tough. do
0: you ever create content around leftovers? Can you create macro friendly or not to use that term since we kind of avoided the if it fits your macros approach? But can you create or have you created plans in which use these leftovers to create a satiating, fulfilling meal?
1: Um, if any coach is watching and wants to have an in instant impact with food and cooking, that's the, just cook more. Like my golden number one rule is just cook more food. Because if you cook dinner Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's going to last for three to five days and you've got lunch and dinner for Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And you've only got to cook three times a week. So 100%, roast dinner is my classic example. Cook a giant chicken if meat is your thing. If not, cook something alternatively. Um, let's be politically correct. <laughs> um, any vegans listening. Um, cook loads of vegetables. There is a caveat to that that you shouldn't eat the entire thing in one sitting. But if you can get after over that hurdle, um, you then have instant bubble and squeak. You have instant filling for an omelette. You have instant... Like I say, bubble fried vegetables. If you don't know what bubble this week is, just fried vegetables with two fried eggs on top, and you've got a decent breakfast or a lunch that's got the leftover stuff, and you haven't even got to cook the cook the or boil the veg up. So, 100% left, just leftover stuff, Johnny. For me,
0: mornings are very time precious, mm-hmm. and I typically prioritize my morning routine over eating. There's often times where I don't eat in the morning, and if I do, I grab a piece of fruit or a a sugary cereal bar. Do you have a remedy for me? Um, And why should I be replenishing my body with something more nutrient dense in the morning? Is there is there something powerful about having a nutrient dense meal first first thing in the morning?
1: Uh, It's honestly, that's such an interesting question because I've been thinking this over my head probably for the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe even six months. Um, most people's go to breakfast is beige, right? So it's interesting that you said piece of fruit. That's great. Um, there's nothing like fundamentally too wrong about having a maybe a high sugared cereal bar or protein bar, or whatever. Um, but it's all beige food, right? Cereals, toasts, even if you did eggs, it's kind of like that beigey color. There's not really much, there's not much color. Um ultimately what fits your day is what you're gonna do, right? There's no like real um like rhyme or reason of why you shouldn't shouldn't do things or eat at certain times. It's completely up to you. If you don't like breakfast, don't eat breakfast. But to avoid high processed, high sugar foods in the morning, it's like um you've, you've done intermittent fasting, we spoke about that before, right? If you intermittent fast and you stick at it and you don't eat until 12 or one or wherever your window is, um, it becomes easy to delay food until that time, right? You might have a monster, you might have a coffee, whatever, like an unguided intermittent fasting. Um, But if you eat sugary foods to start with, it's like once you pop, you can't stop. It's the same thing with intermittent fasting. You start eating, it's game over. You're not going to stop yourself eating. It then has to, because you then have the waves of glucose in the body and to not get too sciencey, but you do have these dips. That's why you might, I mean, you said to me, you had three espressos today. So I wonder when your crash will come. But for me, um, I'm not huge, huge into coffee, but if I have a coffee or a once or anything like that, I'll feel great. And then I'll have this, like, like I've run into a brick wall tiredness. And it's the same thing with sugary food in the morning. That you need to be filling your your body with stuff that's not only nutritious, fibrous, but you can actually eat it. Like at the, at the very best, you can smoothie it. But if it's natural sugars, you're not going to have this huge cliff at eleven o'clock, ten o'clock, where you're in the office stuffing biscuits from the uh, mm-hmm. from the, the biscuit cupboard or whatever. So
0: to make this more practical to me and the listeners. What's your go-to morning recipe then to negate that?
1: Um, go-to morning recipe, I would just do frozen blueberries, frozen mango, spinach, coconut milk, small banana, half an avocado, blitz it, done. And then I just kind of like, and it 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 becomes like a liter of liquid, and I just sip that through the morning.
0: Oh, I love it, mate. I love it. We spoke about caffeine. And you asked me what my three espresso dip would be, and it made me reflect on the time I did a complete caffeine detox. I've been very robust with my caffeine timing for a very long time. And what I mean by that is that caffeine created a routine for me during my working hours where I work in an office nine to five. I found myself having an espresso at very specific moments throughout the day. I tied tasks to my caffeine intake, for example, I wouldn't start this report until I had an espresso. And I realized caffeine was controlling my day. Uh, so when I detoxed it and I did, I don't know, like 30 days without it, what I noticed was was improved sleep. So I was dreaming for the first time in a very long time, which was bizarre. And when I woke up, I found myself waking up at my first alarm, I didn't have to snooze as often. And I would love to say that it gave me more energy throughout the day, but that would be a lie. But what it did give me was like sustained energy. I was as vivacious as I was at nine o'clock in the morning as I was at 7 p.m. Whereas like you said before, and probably after this podcast, I'm going to dip, mate. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So what's your kind of protocols and guidance on caffeine?
1: Well, firstly, how did you find the 30-day? How did you find it? I guess, well, you've gone back to... How long after the 30 days did you go back? I
0: think, so to talk about the negative experiences that I saw with going on a caffeine detox, the very first day afterwards, I felt like I had a migraine all day. I had almost withdrawal symptoms. And something that was so bizarre that I noticed for a couple of days is that my peripherals were blurry at all times. Like my vision was blurry at all times. I could only focus on, I could only see clearly what I was focusing on. It was very, very bizarre, um, and I felt I, f- I felt the effects of reliance and addiction. Um, but after three or four days, um, I was fine. And then I started microdosing it back in. After the thirty days, I would use it in times of need. For example, before a workout, or if I perhaps had a poor night's sleep one night. But then that crept up on me and became habitual again. It embedded itself in my synapses, and it became a routine. Uh, and here we are with uh, three espressos today and a can of Monster. If anyone can see, can see <laughs> me <from> in the
1: camera. <laughs> Cheers to that. Um, remind me of the question that so you said. So, what,
0: what's your what are your fixed protocols and guidance, uh towards caffeine intake?
1: Um, generally speaking, I won't have anything past. I'd like to say two, but four probably. But I try and not have any caffeine apart from a cup of tea at three o'clock. It's kind of that's. As, it's interesting you mentioned about routines when i was at school uh, our school would finish at two i'd be home by three quarter past three my dad would make us a tea or i would make a tea when i got home um there would normally be some kind of donut or that kind of thing at the house and that became my my habit for however many years i was at school secondary school uh how many years is it like six is it six um something like that um that became my thing if you do something for six years whether that be let's go extreme heroin whether that be walking whether the two extremes (laughs) you're going big
0: my my two favorite pastimes of the weekend mate yes
1: is heroin and walking (laughs) (laughs) um so either one that you do you do it for six years you're going to probably continue it for a fair few years after it's going to take a while to come out um so for me a cup of tea at three o'clock is my is routine i almost know what time it is but i'm like oh a fancy cup of tea i look at the clock it's probably around three o'clock ish. routines are hugely powerful and i think a lot of people say oh but like like you say i can't do this until i've done this Um, as a general uh general speak Matthew Walker is way more intelligent than I am on this. You've probably heard of him, yep. uh, the, the sleep doctor. If you've got 14 hours to kill anyone's listening, he has a good book on on why we sleep. And a bit of that is about caffeine and how, I can't remember the the, the, the percentages that he uses, but if you have caffeine, I think 25% of it is still in your body eight hours later.
0: Yeah, the quarter life.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so if you have uh, a double espresso at two o'clock it's still going to be in your system at 10 25 percent of it which will affect sleep um which then isn't going to help in any stretch of the imagination with that
0: what i find particularly interesting about um matthew walker's content um i listened to him on joe rogan and on the contrary to caffeine you spoke about the effects of alcohol on sleep and. For anyone who's listening who's been drunk before, which I'm sure is a large population of you, I feel like I fall asleep much easier after a night out or a few beers. But then Matthew Walker brought to life that that's not sleep, that's sedation. Mm -hmm. So until your body metabolizes the alcohol, you're sedated, and then you fall asleep. Then you get that REM sleep three or four hours into your quote-unquote sleep. And that's why you might feel that you have dreams and stuff after a night out, because your body's trying to catch on the catch up on the REM sleep that you lost when you were sedated for three or four hours. I found that particularly uh stark and scary. Um but yeah, a lot of
1: people's go to is a nightcap, right? So people would that and I think he even says that, like whatever it might be, whiskey, wine, beer, whatever your your tipple is. Um but yeah, fundamentally, it's sedation, and it's not good. And I think actually, sometimes when you're most of a hangover—inverted commas again—we're <laughs> not being very podcast-friendly with our hand mm-hmm. movement. Um, uh, hangovers are just tiredness. Like, I think when you're in extreme tiredness, you can almost feel like you're hungover. You've, you you got a bit of acid reflux. You feel a bit sick. You're not really sure what's going on. It's just tiredness. And if we bring it back to to food, real quick. I don't think your body can t- t- distinguish the difference between tiredness and hunger. They're almost the same. Okay. So when you're tired, most people's go-to is, well, I need food because you're trying to level like that roller coaster we we're talking about. You're trying to level your blood glucose and your, your brain knows how to do it through food as an instant thing. So sometimes when you're tired, that's what causes you the problems to overeat rather than, Having a nap, for example,
0: So my question to you based on that then is, if drinking alcohol causes hangovers, hangovers mm-hmm. cause tiredness, is the problem in ter- is the problem more so the, the consumption of poorly measured calories the day after a night out, because they're taking sugary foods and fix, fix, f- really quick fixed meals, like takeaways and stuff? is that more of a problem to weight gain and weight loss than the actual alcohol the night before? What do you think has most effect on someone's
1: body composition? I think that would be, that would make us mega rich if we could find the answer to that. (laughs) Um, It's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think it probably is a bit of both. Like I I don't think a lot of us understand actually uh, the calories that are in alcohol and they are completely non-nutritious it's not like eating a bag of kale not that we'd do that at a bar but it's not the same even if it was um the most unnutritious thing you could find which would be like a chocolate bar would still have something in it that would be somewhat beneficial to you other than alcohol right um but it's that it's then the inhibition to not have the uh, burger or the uh, pizza on the way home or the kebab and then the tiredness into the next day and then yeah terrible choices you don't walk you st- on the couch all day you definitely don't go to the gym and you're trying to make yourself feel better um so it's a bit of both i think he even says um matthew walker this is the lack of sleep can cause pounds and pounds of weight gain i think 50 or 50 to 70 pounds of weight gain per year through lack of sleep alone and then you mix that with alcohol and no wonder the population's getting bigger and bigger.
0: Well, mate. So, what to make this again pragmatic to the listeners? Mm. What alcohol choices can we make on a night out to lower um, that um, initial calorie influx?
1: My go-to is vodka lime and soda, or rum lime and soda, and not the cordial either. Real, real lime. I will ask the bartender, like, "Have you got real, real lime?" If they don't, I won't have that either. I'll just have soda. And it's surprising when you have a decent, I mean, I'm not talking like a shot of vodka. That's awful. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Um, if there are any Russians, I know you said you're in 35 countries. If there are Russians listening, I apologize for the offense. <laughs> um, but it basically just tastes like water. You don't taste the alcohol in it. I don't really like the alcohol taste. Then you can kind of have a slightly longer drink. You're hydrating yourself. Yes, you're, you're having alcohol, but. You're Hydrating yourself as well. Um, so that would be my go-to, the lowest calorie form of drinking. Because I'm not, let's not be unrealistic and say that nobody was ever is ever not gonna touch it again. I've been hung over many times. Every single time I'm devastatingly hungover, I say I'm never drinking again. And then you <laughs> get carried away and overexcited, right? Definitely. Um yeah, so that would be mine. And I mean especially in Scotland,
0: nightclubs, pubs and stuff have only reopened in the last few months after a prolonged period of disconnection from everyone else. We can be hard on ourselves and negate some of the good times because we don't want to drink. We can go out and be sober, of course. What, on the flip side to my last question, what drinks should we avoid then? How calorific are cocktails, for example?
1: Oh, ridiculous. Seriously, uh, with the sugar, the syrups they put in them, I wouldn't even like to, to guess i mean like i say i don't like the taste of alcohol i don't really like the taste of coffee if i have a coffee i it, stevia it or brown sugar um to, to master taste of coffee argue you could argue and say well why why are you drinking it then i don't know <laughs> um so i wouldn't go for like a, an espresso martini i would go for something like a porn star martini that would have a load of sugar in it and juices and syrups and all that kind of stuff um i mean who who knows really i mean it's not going to be 70 calories a drink which is a vodka lime soda it's going to be two three four hundred calories maybe i mean a pint of beer i think is around two two to three hundred calories something like that and if you're having i mean the the, the average person may have four so you're doing a thousand calories before you've had the pizza on the way home
0: and you said there's no nutrients at all in alcohol. There's no, so you're not getting mm. your, your proteins, fats or carbs from that?
1: No, no, it's, it's I've, I've, correct. I mean, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe it's and it's seven calories per gram of alcohol as well. So it's, it's, it's even more than carbs and proteins and fats. And yeah, there's no nutritional benefit from it either.
0: You spoke about how you mask the taste of coffee with um, ingredients. I don't like eggs in a similar vein. I just, I've never enjoyed eggs since I was a little kid. The way I describe eggs is I feel like they taste like nothing if nothing was out of date. I know, very bizarre. So (laughs) what I've done over the last year and two, I've tried to force myself to eat eggs because in terms of protein per uh, penny or protein per pound in terms of currency, it's such an easy way to get protein in. So I do something similar to you. I mask it with chili flakes, bacon, hot sauce. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, mate, I'm a fundamentalist in the kitchen. What advice would you give someone like me in terms of must-dos or must-haves in terms of ingredients? What should a fundamentalist like me have in their kitchen? Be uh, yeah, a prolific, not prolific cook, uh, proficient cook at home. Um,
1: I would just have pre-mixed seasonings, to be fair. uh, You know, the ones that you can buy... supermarkets that are above all the the normal single ingredient ones just have them um it's going to be an easy an easy swap for a lot of things to be able to mask the taste of of ingredients i'm under no illusion that most if not all green veg is pretty much tasteless it doesn't i mean you would have to be quite skilled to close your eyes and people feed you green veg and you kind of figure out what it was but doesn't really like you say like eggs doesn't really taste like anything so you kind of need to season it and and spice it up um so those 100 percent um you need a good knife i always say a good knife uh and a sharp one at that just to to avoid any finger mishaps um and then a temperature probe would be my that like uh, utensil wise um definitely temperature because then you can never overcook food ever again um with ingredients you just need to practice and figure out what you what you like so you've just said you don't like the taste of eggs so do something about it um or don't eat them no one's forcing you to to eat that ingredient but yeah um within the fitness community
0: i've seen a fetishization of air fryers are you an air fryer fan
1: i haven't got one no um if if it works again like if 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 you really have a burning desire to have chips every night then go for it and if it's if that's going to help you get to your goal um ultimately as somebody who really enjoys to cook i really would rather not cook i'd rather have someone cook for me my my battle in my head is if i go to a restaurant and i feel like i can do a better job i don't go back or if it's not good enough, you know, I, I just like well, I can just cook that better my, at home. So I won't have scrambled eggs at home. I generally won't have poached eggs at home. Uh, oh, sorry, when I've scrambled eggs out, or anything really basic, I want extravagant things that yeah. I wouldn't be able to do myself. Um, so fundamentally, yeah, if it's gonna, if an air fryer is the thing that you can just bung into the air fryer, like like a slow cooker, you come back x amount of time later and you've got dinner win go for
0: it i love it my weekly meals are very very similar i mean i eat the same thing lunch and dinner i meal prep every single week and what i create is just a kind of chicken vegetable medley with a stirring sauce and some vegetables and it doesn't really vary i have that lunch and dinner by having the same chicken meal every single day am i losing out on essential vitamins and minerals from doing that and how should i how important is receiving those vitamins and minerals and how do i replace that
1: fantastic question um i wouldn't have thought any less um from a (laughs) podcast um now this kind of this question is kind of like double-ended so and this isn't my uh, advice when i was doing the online coaching i had a friend of mine, a fellow PT, um, a guy called Leo Tyson, he came in to my group and spoke about gut health and he's the sort of PT that really loves to go real deep on certain things. And and it's quite technical, right? So you can get, you can get lost if you're not that interested in it. Um, he mentions about gut health and how important it is to change ingredients so that your body knows how to process certain things. So, I don't remember which diabetes it is, but one of them is an insulin. uh, Your body doesn't recognize it, right? And therefore it doesn't process it. I can't remember which one it is. I should don't, but. um, So your body can kind of start to not recognize things. And I think that can be similar and can be said for food as well. If you're very, very similar, yes, it may work, but like your chicken, for example, a quick swap would be have turkey the next week and then, maybe mix that back to, to to chicken again or try a different meat maybe cod or salmon and you just rotate it like that so that your gut is becoming used to different proteins it can break different things down same thing for veg each veg will have its own vitamins minerals antioxidants all that kind of stuff um so that's how i would uh, sort of negate that or, or or yeah approach that situation is just try to make a swap with just one thing at a time. There's no point overwhelming anybody and thinking you've got to create this special meal out of nothing. Just one little change and get used to it. Just like we were talking about walking in heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, mate. I love just, it. Instead of injecting three times, inject twice and then you're <laughs> one step further.
0: <laughs> Disclaimer, we don't condone that at
1: all. <laughs> no, we don't. And we neither of us do it, by the way. It's just <laughs> for example's sake. <laughs> We
0: often coin the terms carbs and fats as unhealthy are they unhealthy items and what role do they play in the body
1: uh, i guess they they can be um is it just like heroin if
0: you have too much of them as a <laughs> it's a bad thing Well,
1: maybe, maybe if you have any <laughs> of that it, it might be bad i think that's probably the wrong example um possibly if we go and take a slightly less damaging example and say caffeine Caffeine, which is a natural product, or um, even wine, there are some papers that say that potentially it has some health benefits with things in it. Um, I think calms and fats get a real bad rep, because generally speaking, in nature, they're never found together. It just just doesn't happen. Um, And then when you do have high carb, high sugar items, if you think about the natural form of sugar it's in a cane and therefore if you were to eat it in a jungle you would have to be eating through sugar cane and fiber before you got to the carb therefore you're not going to eat that much of it unless you found a way of sucking out the middle or whatever uh ice cream is so addictive i know one of your questions this might segue into that but um uh fat and sugar together is quite addictive and you can probably eat quite a lot of it so if ice cream ben and jerry's pops out you can quite easily do the entire tub without even thinking about it and i think that's where it gets its bad rep like if you were to challenge somebody right you eat haribo and i'll eat broccoli you'll win if you eat uh, cream, and i.e. avocado, you'll win, right? And it's it's that's where the bad rep comes. It's not the fact that they're necessarily bad. They all have their own purpose in the body for transporting vitamins, minerals, repairing your body, recovering, giving you energy, all that kind of stuff. So it's just the choices you make.
0: Can you cook and can you eat for mental performance? 100%.
1: yeah Um, I genuinely believe that I think that goes back to your question about the the morning routine so if you start the day with something really sugary it's just going to continue and you're going to eat like shit for the whole day feel like shit not want to do anything whereas if you eat well you almost and this is what I was I think I I didn't even finish my point uh, earlier but um, if you start to eat well you almost don't want to eat anything bad It just becomes this thing that you do that you don't even fancy anything bad in the end. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen.
0: You embody that lifestyle, right? I remember when I was going through a kind of more strict phase when I was maybe a couple of years ago. And I couldn't, at that time, I couldn't remember the last time I had a bag of crisps. I had a, mm-hmm. a chocolate or a, a chocolate bar from the shelf of a store. If there was one in the house, I would pick it up and eat it. But I wouldn't proactively go out and make those choices. I was ingrained and I embodied the lifestyle that I was living, which was kind of, kind of holistic, kind of fitness life. And I was just eating blueberries instead of the chocolate, or I was picking up um, avocado and toast opposed to having alternative fat sources, um, perhaps saturated fats and stuff like that. Before we wrap up, Johnny, I want to do a quick fire round for you, yeah, yeah. you have ten seconds, or no, actually, I'm going to give you five seconds or less to answer each of these questions.
1: Good to go. Do you mind if I just mention one thing on that that what yeah. we were just talking about before we go into that? Uh, it was circling a, a while ago, like the picture of Ronaldo versus Wayne Rooney, right, and the choices that they then make, and and how Ronaldo, at 36 years old, is in, in incredible shape, and then they his diet circulated whether that is true or isn't true is another matter i think sometimes we uh we make um decisions based off of how the day's been right somebody was rude to me somebody some customer was an asshole and and, and now i'm justifying the takeaway from that because i feel bad or whatever but ultimately if you're you're your goal is what it is then everything else should follow from that and as you said it then just becomes habit and habitual that you just pick that up and that becomes your lifestyle rather than oh yeah but it's fine to eat chocolate bars or it's fine to eat this and it's fine to eat that I think not necessarily wanting everybody to have six pack washboard abs all the time but just being a bit healthier it just takes practice and time to just to follow through
0: it's the whole can't see the wood for the trees thing if you have i think this is such a kind of cliche online coach tunnel hole to go down but it's all about your values like if your values is holding yourself to the highest degree that you can or your values is extreme mental and physical performance then that north star is what um drip feeds into every single decision that you make So if you if someone cuts you off on the road or you have an argument or you have a stressful day at work and you argue with your manager, if your North Star is replenishing my body and looking after myself, then you're probably less likely to make those poor choices Mm -hmm. if you didn't have that North Star.
1: Right. Hundred percent. And it says it's um, if you can start the spiral going up instead of down, because it very quickly goes into one chocolate bar, a share bag. Two chocolate bars, all that kind of stuff. And it's, and it just, once you're in that and you're tired, you then have espressos to try and pick you up. Then you have a chocolate bar because you're tired at <laughs> 11 o'clock. And, and then you don't go to the gym because you feel sluggish and shit. And you don't want to get up in the morning once the alarm's got, it's, yeah. It, I mean, we, we could talk for hours about it, but yeah.
0: Let's do our quick fire round, mate.
1: Oh, go for it. I'm ready. Does protein make you bulky? No.
0: Best cheese for omelets? Cheddar. Favorite macro-friendly
1: takeaway? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I would probably go Wagamamas or something like that.
0: Ben and Jerry's or Halo Top?
1: Did a video of this about two years ago. Um, Halo Top doesn't really cut the mustard. If you can deal with having a spoonful or two of Ben and Jerry's, just go for the real deal. Chocolate or crisps. chocolate <laughs> starter and main or main and dessert um i would have said main and dessert but um my wife and i do this thing where we just order a load of things on the menu and just share them all which is an amazing way if like if you're ever going if if you're single and you do this right and you're going out on a date just order a few things and just share them like a like tappers. so uh, yeah yeah all man. of it <laughs> <laughs> is sugar unhealthy uh no
0: lowest calorie
1: meal that you make regularly um the bubble of i talked about bubbles week uh vegetables with a couple of poached eggs favorite protein shake flavor white chocolate bulk powders no i'm not endorsed by them by the way just that's <laughs> the one I... <laughs> unless you
0: want to, unless, <laughs> unless, you <laughs> <yeah>. want to.
1: <laughs> unless bulk powders are listening and then i'll take it
0: well, last meal if you were on death row
1: oh stop how long have we got um starter would be gambas alijo what Uh, is that it's sizzling garlic and chili prawns that you get in Spain um got to have some nice bread to dunk in that I'd probably have confit duck with dolphin raw potatoes and some apple saucy thing and then dessert would be probably a creme brulee
0: I love it, mate. Thank you for the listeners for those questions. My last meal would probably be heroin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, seriously what, would, what would be your last meal? Oh. That's my last meal. Are we doing three courses? Let me think. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you can, you can have a drink. We'll give you a drink as well.
0: Chicken gyozas to start. Yeah. Um, a Massaman curry or okay. a Penang curry. Mm-hmm. And dessert could be... What would dessert be?
1: Oh, a cho- I just can't beat a chocolate brownie, a warm chocolate brownie. You see how we both went really oily and really rich. So when they do execute us and our bowels empty, it would be a mess. <laughs> it would be like the <laughs> last laughs on them. <laughs> like, I've got you. <laughs> it's not clean, it's not healthy, it's nothing. <laughs> oh, me!
0: what a note to finish on. That was hilarious. Johnny, <laughs> you have infinite wisdom on this topic when it uh, when it comes to flavors, so, uh, flavors, nutrition, quick fixes, the fundamentals, you've just demystified the exact landscape I wanted you to cover, and I can see exactly why you provide so much value to coaches. If coaches want to reach out, what mm-hmm. should they expect from your services?
1: Um, clients getting more knowledge—that's that's fundamentally it. We're all in it for the clients. We're all in it for other people right um otherwise you'd just be in your room talking to yourself all day you bring guests on um so a lot of us are doing it for other people so clients will get better knowledge in the kitchen they won't straight off plan i've done an inverted comma thing again but i mean plan like if things are just tasteless and shit and boring at some point there's going to be something that breaks it's like working out seven days a week two hours a day unless it's your job there's going to become a point where you're like, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore. So that, that will happen with your clients. The engagement will go up. Hopefully you'll earn more money from it from recurring um, income and you'll just get way more added value. The service will just go up one. Um, yeah. Amazing, mate.
0: Where can the people find you online to get in touch?
1: Uh, Instagram or Facebook, Johnny Becker on Facebook, um, or the coachy Chef on uh, Instagram. And it's, coaches without an es which my as i said my brazilian wife told me off from from, from, i I hadn't i have an account that's the coach's chef with an es and she's like yeah but you're not plural coaches you are a coach's chef (laughs) i love it mate i love it at the beginning of the podcast
0: you said you're trying to get a round two let's do this podcast again mate it was so much fun thank you for stopping by and unloading the vault that is your nutrition wisdom let's do it again
1: yeah please yeah yeah let's let's maybe we'll do a christmas one (laughs) christmas special i love it mate thanks for stopping by no problem thanks brother
0: johnny becker ladies and gentlemen how great was that episode he's so funny and so impactful i learned so much about my own nutrition journey for example i won't be eating chicken every night now i hope you took something away from this episode too and if you did please 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 share it with someone else it would help me grow this podcast and get a greater caliber of guests i just really appreciate your listen but i also appreciate the listen of everyone else and anyone else so please 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 share this episode thanks for listening you've made my day